0: The following program is for informational purposes only. Do not make any investment without speaking to a licensed financial advisor. Time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is the Financial Physician with Lou Skatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it the decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me Money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor,
1: Lou Skatigna.
0: Welcome, my friends. Lou Skatigna here, certified financial planner and your money doctor, welcoming you to this thing of ours we call the Financial Physician podcast where we talk money, markets, and politics, and anything I feel like talking about. Thanks so much for joining us. I have a good show for you today. Hopefully I have a good show for you each and every week, but I think I have a really good show for you today. Later in the program, we're going to talk about Donald J. Trump's big victory in New Hampshire. Um, He's uh, surely on the way to being the nominee for the Republican Party. Uh, the media still is going nuts over this, uh, still censoring his victory speeches. It's just just outrageous. We're going to talk about why Nikki Haley is staying in the race when it's obvious that she has no chance of winning, at least while Trump is still alive anyway. Uh, some sanity is coming back, uh, at least uh, in some areas. Ohio, state of Ohio Senate overrode uh, the Republican governor's veto. Of a Child Trans Protection Act right? Where uh, you can't do surgery on minors And change their gender Another part of that bill also protects uh, Female sports, girl sports If you are genetically uh, You're a man, you're a male You can't participate in a woman's sports So the question is Why did a Republican governor Veto this bill that passed The Republican legislature Uh, I have to look more into that Uh, But the There was some common sense in Ohio. They overrode uh, the veto, and that's the law now in Ohio. Hopefully, we'll see more and more uh, states do that. Later, we're going to talk about American cities turning into crime-riddled sewers. Um, Just read an article saying that uh, in 70 years, many, many cities in America will be ghost towns. We'll talk about that. Uh, Texas Governor uh, Abbott uh, tells Biden and his administration to pound sand uh, after the Supreme Court said that uh, the feds have the right to take down the razor wire and any border protections uh, that Texas is implementing. And now you have uh, some on the Democratic side saying that the Biden administration should take over the Texas National Guard. So uh, and where's this going? You also have like 20 or 30 states backing Texas on this. Sounds like Civil War stuff to me, doesn't it? And uh, we have much, much more here on the financial physician. Let's start off talking about. We've been talking about retirement a lot lately. And the reason I have been is that uh, there's a retirement crisis in this country, and it's getting worse by the day. And I see it in my own practice, uh, as I said uh, many times in the past. Earlier on in my career, people were retiring, their houses were paid off, uh, they had zero debt. Uh, and they had a pension, uh, uh, they had some money saved. uh, But now we're seeing the opposite. We're seeing people who are retiring that have a mortgage on their house, that have two car payments, that have student loan debt that they they, uh, got when their children were going through college, credit card debt, little in the way of savings or 401K, no pension. So this is a crisis, and I said my biggest fear is we're going to see poverty like we've never seen before in older people, senior citizens, elderly. And to some extent, some extent we're seeing it now. But it's going to get worse and worse in the future ahead. Very nervous about that. So let's talk about the evolution of retirement. I mean, um, retirement was a much shorter period in a person's life. Right now, it could be half your life you could be retired. I mean, if you start working when you're, you're 25, you get out of college, you work 40 years till you're 65, uh, and you live to be 95, I mean, it's almost half your life you're retired. It's, um, and you have to make sure that you have the ability to, to uh, take care of yourself financially over that time frame. And uh, retirement is a relatively new thing in human history. You know, back in the day, uh, we were, um, we worked the land. We had farms. Uh, we had livestock. And there was no retirement. We kept working until we couldn't work anymore. Uh, and we needed to. That's the way we put food in our body and were able to take care of our family. There was no break. Uh, and many times we worked seven days a week or, or six days and we took the Sabbath off on Sunday. Uh, Back in the day too uh, Longevity was uh, Not what it is now So even if you save money for retirement You didn't really need a whole lot Because you weren't going to last very long Now in ancient societies um, People worked day in and day out To provide for themselves And they still do today in some parts of the world And uh, when I think about this I think about Like biblical times You know when people worked the land, uh, they were shepherds, they were farmers. And then what happened, and, and, and that happened for thousands of years, by the way. There was no retirement. Then in the 1700s, um, we started to have the um, Industrial Revolution. And people started moving from farms to factories. And uh, that changed things quite a bit. Fast forward another 100 years to the 1800s. Now the Industrial Revolution was in, in full swing and there was less people Working on the farms, and they're working in factories, and that changed the way elderly people are taken care of. You know, if we were you know home all the time, you could take care of your elderly parent. But if you're going to work at a factory somewhere, uh, you have to think about it differently. Now, employers saw that you know people you know worked hard their whole life, and as they aged, they were unable to keep up with the demands of the job that they had. And that's when employers began offering pension benefits to their workers for a long, loyal career to the company. Uh, Let's fast forward again another 100 years to the 1900s. We see the introduction of Social Security. And this is a big shift because now we we shifted from um, personal responsibility, family and community taking care of you, to now the government taking care of you. So that's a big change. So when we think of this shift over 250 years, uh, it's changed pretty, pretty quickly. And it's going to change again as we go forward. Because people, again, are living longer. And longevity is the big issue now. Because it keeps getting longer and longer. Some, some people are saying that over the next 20 years, we're going to be able to add decades to our life. Maybe living to 110, 115. I don't want to live to 115. 115. <laughs> I don't want to live to 100, to be quite honest with you, Um, but there's many factors you have to consider when we're talking about retirement, and uh, number one is the longevity. Now, I think people retire way too young. I mean, if if you have half your life left, why are you retiring? You know, you spent your whole life, you know, developing your career, your abilities and everything else. And you're contributing to society. Then all of a sudden at a a random age, let's say 60 or 65, uh, you decide that you no longer want to do it. Now, you're not retiring like other people used to retire because they just can't do it anymore. You're retired because you don't want to do it anymore. And that's a, that's a a big problem. For society in general I mean let's take a look At social security When social security Was established in 1935 Life expectancy was 58 Uh, And there was 13 Or so workers For every retired person So you had 13 people Paying into the system While one person Was taken out Well things have changed In 2023 Life expectancy is 79 And now we have 2.5 workers Paying into the system for everybody taking it out For every one person taking it out And that's the problem with social security That's why the trustees are saying By 2020, 2033 The trust fund's going to be negative And we're going to have to cut benefits Or do something else um, The law right now says Benefits are going to be cut 80% If it's not solvent So we got a big problem here And a big problem for many Americans As I said, social security is it for them they don't have a pension. They don't have much in the way of savings. They're laden with debt. What would happen if all of a sudden you get a letter from Social Security or it's all over the news uh, that come January 1st, uh, you're losing 20% of your benefits? I can't see that happening. I just can't possibly see that happening. Uh, people would be around the White House with pitchforks um, and uh, it would be a pretty ugly situation. So what do we do? Just keep borrowing money, borrowing money, and then just inflate all our problems away (laughs) we won't be inflating our problems away we'll be inflating our problems Uh, we don't want that so I haven't heard anybody bring up a good answer to it Uh, my partner and I were discussing this this week and he said to me you know why don't you know everybody knows it's going to happen why doesn't Congress get together with the president uh, and do what's necessary to save the program and I told him because of politics I mean Look what happened to the Republicans, right? One Republican made a proposal that maybe we should look at Social Security and make changes to it to make sure it stays viable. The Democrats labeled Republicans want to cut your Social Security. That's the commercials that come out when that was not the case at all, right? It's the third, world, uh, third rail of politics. Nobody wants to say anything about Social Security because they're going to be branded – as the one who wants to cut off grandma's food uh, And that's the way Normal, Usually it's the Democrats uh, They're the ones who go out there and do this And say, uh, well, the Republicans Want to take your social security And, and scare uh, older people Into voting for them So that's why it doesn't happen Now I propose, why not Congress, a bipartisan committee uh, um, Establish A commission outside of Politics, an independent commission to review everything about Social Security uh, and come up with suggestions. Now, that would be politically wrought uh, also. It's, it would be a problem, but not as much as uh, uh, you know a Republican coming out in the Senate and saying, I propose Bill 22 uh, to increase the age of Social Security or to increase um, uh, or decrease the amount of benefits or whatever. So that's the reason why it's not dealt with. But at some point, it's going to have to be dealt with. And, um, and I think that uh, uh, by the time they deal with it, uh, it'll be too late. So what are the headwinds to a, a successful retirement? Well, the first thing I mentioned before is longevity risk. Uh, with people living longer and longer, uh, the chances of outliving your money is great. Uh, and it's a really terrible thing, um, I had, an, I had a 91-year-old client this week um, take his last distribution from his IRA account. He was taking 2500 a month, and he's just depleted it. He's lived to be 91. Uh, he was a client of mine for 25 years. Uh, we made it last as long as we possibly could. Uh, but this month, his last check is going out. And it, it pains my heart. It really does. I mean, I had a t- discussion with him uh, and his son uh this week. Uh what's plan B for you guys? Uh they're no longer gonna be my client, obviously, because he's done. Uh and uh, it turns out that thank God for his son is he's got a good son that's gonna be paying his bills for him until he passes. And he's still healthy basically for ninety one year old. So uh it's uh it's a sad thing. Uh and uh thankfully I must say that uh over my career I've had few people outlive their money. But there's more and more risk now as people live older. So that's the first thing we have to keep in mind is the longevity risk. Uh, We don't want to die early. Uh, I guess we all like to live as long as we can, as long as there's a good quality of life. Um, But uh, is your money going to last? That's the key. Another headwind on your path to retirement is uh, the ever increasing cost of living. Inflation has always been a concern for retirees, and over the last few years, the prices of everyday goods and services have skyrocketed, and that's a big problem for retirees on fixed incomes, and the cost of living adjustments from Social Security rarely keep up with true inflation. And uh, one of the big mistakes people make in retirement is they they assume in the future uh, that their costs are going to be the same as that it, that it is today. And that's not true. Whether you're talking about rent, you're talking about electricity, insurances. Uh, do you know that car insurance is skyrocketing around the country right now? Um, yesterday, m- my partner uh, showed me a letter he received from State Farm. He has State Farm insurance. Uh, for his auto policy, they're going to raise the premiums, get this, 23%. And they're saying the reason for that is that now they're insuring more expensive cars. I mean, the price of cars is ridiculous these days, $50,000 for a new car, and that the cost of replacement parts and labor and everything else that they have to pay for has gone up tremendously. And they have to raise their car insurance. And, And I've heard this you know, uh, in the past too, that we're seeing this. Almost all insurance companies are experiencing the same thing. So your car insurance is going to go up a lot, and not just State Farm. As I said, it's other it's other companies as well. So inflation is something you really have to consider as part of your retirement planning. Um, how about market volatility? I mean, you know, uh, the stock market, you know, all, with all its ups and downs, can have a significant impact. On your stability in retirement. I'm seeing a lot of new clients now who have been destroyed in 2022. 2022, if you don't recall, it was the worst year for stocks and bonds ever. The average stock fund was down 25 to 30 uh, percent. The average bond fund was down anywhere between 20 and 30 uh, percent. And no matter where you were, you couldn't hide uh, that year. And many people come to me and they say, Lou, I never thought I could lose this much money in one year. And I've had grown men tear up in my conference room over it. They they didn't realize that this could happen to them. So you have to be uh, uh, very cognizant of your risk. Now, on one hand, you could say, well, I need to get higher returns. That's why I need the stock market. If I live longer, I need more money. Well, that's certainly true when you're accumulating money, when you're accumulating your nest egg, not necessarily when you're in retirement. Now you need income. Now you've got to protect it. And I, uh, I'll never forget this. After 2008, the big crash, a new client came to me, and he had about $800,000 portfolio, and he said, you know, Lou, I lost the equivalent of a Mercedes-Benz car Last year, about $150,000. He said, boy, I would have liked to have just took the $150,000 and had the car. Uh, That's one thing. So consuming your money is one thing. Losing it to the money gods, uh, to the stock market, uh, that's a totally different thing. Because that's so hard to recover from. And unfortunately, new clients come to me, 70 years old, 75 years old. I look at their asset allocation, and they're wired for risk. And they learned in 2022 what bad things can happen to them. So we reposition them, we, we evaluate it, and we put them in a more conservative posture so that can't happen again. And as another thing you have to keep in mind is geopolitical events can affect the retirement landscape as well. You know, we go into a, a world war. Uh, that's going to affect markets. It's going to affect our lives in so many different ways. Another... Uh, headwind that you would have Is taxes I mentioned last week If you have a million dollar uh, retirement plan You don't have a million dollar retirement plan Because part of it is going to be paid in taxes To your favorite uncle So uh, taxes Is a big consideration in retirement Do you do you have a lot of non-retirement Assets Do you have a, a brokerage account Or an investment account or a savings account That is not an IRA That's just your money You've already paid taxes on it you pay tax on the interest or the dividends or the growth as you go, but the principal is tax-free. Boy, there's a big difference in the, the retirement of a person who comes to me with $500,000 after tax money or a $5,000 IRA account because the 500000 has been taxed already. The IRA has to be taxed on the way out, and that could be a very, very negative headwind uh, to retirement. So too many people, um, uh, they look at retirement uh, uh, too late in life, obviously. Uh, Many people come to me at 55, they want to start retirement planning. The earlier you start, the better, obviously. The power of compounding. And uh, they start too late. And it's so important to work with a financial advisor, a good certified financial planner and accountant uh, in your retirement years. Don't do it yourself unless you're an expert on money. A, uh, your ability to manage your own money will decline with age as your cognition, you know, decreases. Uh, do you think Joe Biden is managing his world okay? I I don't think so. Then uh, I wouldn't want him to manage mine, that's for sure. Uh, but as you get older, you know, you don't want to do it maybe, or maybe you're not good at doing it. Uh, uh, using a professional is certainly the way to go. Now, look, if you got $25,000 to your name, you're not going to use a professional. A professional is not going to take you. But if you have substantial assets and uh, you're concerned uh, that you want it to last uh, for the rest of your life, good, good, good financial planner uh, is worth the money you're going to pay them. They're going to make sure you do the right things, and they're going to make sure that you avoid the wrong things. So don't do it alone. Get a good certified financial planner to manage your money in retirement with you and help ensure that you have a financially healthy retirement. And we're talking about retirement. What are some of the detrimental things you could do to yourself uh, to prevent a good retirement? Well, one thing is borrowing from your 401k. Look, when you have soaring inflation like we do now and higher interest rates, I mean, it's not surprising that a growing number of Americans are borrowing from their 401k or their IRA account to are taking money out. And that's really detrimental to your health. When you start using your retirement funds when you're not retired, uh, that's a big problem. According to a recent uh, report by Fidelity, uh, 3% of workers with uh, employer-sponsored 401k plans borrowed from their plans during the three-month period between July and September of last year. Now, look, it's tempting to dip into your retirement plan. Sometimes that's the only pocket you have. Uh, But you have to look at the longer-term implications of that. And you should uh, only do this as a last resort because it's going to have uh, serious consequences to your long-term financial health. And many people who borrow from the 401k don't pay it back. Now, it's nice. I mean, you could borrow up to 50% of, uh, of the amount of money in your 401k as long as it's vested uh, for up to five years. And typically, it's relatively low interest rates. So you're basically borrowing from yourself, and then you're paying it back with interest. Um, but the money's no longer invested, number one, when it's out of the plant, so you're missing that opportunity cost of no longer being invested in the market. So that's potential growth going out the window. And you're paying interest, uh, so that, that that's a double whammy. So this could be a significant cost over time. Now, again, many people never wind up paying back the money. Uh nobody's forcing you to. Um, but there's other drawbacks associated with borrowing from your 401k. How about if you lose your job? you have to pay that back very very quickly and what if you don't? it's considered a distribution for tax purposes so if you if you're you're moving your 401k out of the, the employer and you, you didn't pay back that loan you're going to get a 1099 from the employer so say you borrowed fifty thousand from your 401k and you get laid off or fired or whatever, and you have to take your money out, and you roll it over to your IRA account, but you didn't pay back the $50,000, you're going to get a 1099 from your employer that says you have taxable income of $50,000, and it has to go on your tax return as a taxable distribution. And if you're under 59 and a half, you also may incur a 10% penalty for early withdrawal. So you've got to be aware of that. That money has to be paid back or it's going to be considered a distribution. You don't pay it back in five years, it's a distribution. You take the money out of the plan because you're separating service, it's a distribution. So before resorting to to tapping into your retirement plans, uh, look at alternative strategies to get by. Number one, you should have an emergency fund. Unfortunately, many Americans don't. I've told you so many times here, 67% of American families are paycheck to paycheck. That means they don't have an emergency fund. Credit card debt is soaring. That's because many Americans, most, don't have an emergency fund. So you should put away at least three months living expenses in a liquid account, not invested, not at risk, easy to access for emergencies. I tell people come to me, they want to start investing or whatever. I say, well, what's your emergency fund right now? I don't have one. Or I had, this is my emergency fund. This 50,000 I want to give you, uh, to invest. No, I don't want that money. Now what's three months living expenses for you? Well, let's keep that aside. Liquid, non-invested. Then we'll talk about investing the rest, but you don't even want to consider investing money until you have an emergency fund. Uh, Evaluate your spending habits Find areas where you can cut back Go on a, a financial fast We talked about that a few weeks back What a financial fast is We well, you only spend money you have to spend For a period of time uh, Debt management Look at all your debt If high interest debt is a concern Focus on developing a plan to, to manage to pay down that debt Strategically What do I mean by strategically? Uh, the highest interest credit card first Pay it off, then go to the next one. Pay the minimums on the other ones, but pay off the highest interest one first. Consider um, a consolidation loan. Think about maybe uh, taking a home equity loan to pay off your high interest credit card debt. Also, the equity in your home may be an alternative to going into your retirement plans. Again, I don't like to do that either. I don't like to see people use their equity uh, for daily financial management. But if you're desperate, maybe that's a better alternative. Uh, They're going into your retirement plan Possibly not paying it back And possibly having a taxable distribution How about some side hustles Or a part-time job An additional stream of income Again, that's better for your retirement Than taking money out of the 401k Now look If you've already borrowed the money from the 401k It's not the end of the world no, It's not But you have to take uh, steps now to, to get back on track And get back on on track for for a healthy retirement Here are three steps you can take Number one, repay that loan as fast as you can Very, very important, pay it And then once you pay it back Increase your contributions to the plan To the 401k uh, To try to catch up from the missed opportunity cost you had uh, and also seek the advice of a financial advisor who could help you develop a strategy that's tax efficient to pay it back and get back on track. So unfortunately, many families are are, are tapping into their retirement plans to get by today, which is going to cause major problems in the future for their retirement, as we laid out earlier in the program. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a sad state that we're in right now where people are so desperate that they have to go into their future, borrow from their future um, to pay bills now. Kind of sounds like the country, right? <laughs> $34 trillion in debt, uh, borrowing uh, 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 from our children and grandchildren that we'll have to pay it back at some point. Or not. Probably not. Uh, but they're certainly going to be affected by that. So, uh, you know, this should be the last option for you uh, and the only option that you have to go into retirement plans to fund current needs. My name is Lou You're listening to the Financial Physician podcast. Don't you dare go away. Are you currently retired or planning to retire in the next five years? Hey, Lou Skatigna here, certified financial planner, personal finance author, president of AFM Investments. Why not join me for a comprehensive financial review at my downtown Tom's River office? Banks are paying virtually nothing and the stock market has become a risky casino, but there are ways to achieve reasonable returns without taking on big risks. Let me show you how. During our meeting, I will determine your net worth, find ways to maximize your income and minimize your taxes. I'll review your estate plan and discuss strategies to protect your estate from nursing home costs. Managing your finances is more complicated than ever, but you don't have to go it alone. So make your no-obligation appointment today by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Registered Investment Advisory Services through Fortitude Advisory Group.
1: Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732- 600-8721 or go to JerseyShoreSeptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable
0: rates. Lou Skatigna here, Certified Financial Planner, President of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician. Hey, it's that time again, income tax season. There has been many changes to tax rules the last few years. Some deductions have been eliminated, and some have been expanded. Avoid IRS headaches by putting my 35 years tax preparation experience to work for you. I guarantee that your return will be accurate, and in most cases will be prepared and ready for you in less than three business days. This season, I'm taking on a limited number of new tax clients. Call for an appointment today and receive a $100 discount For our already reasonable fee. Tax season does not have to be stressful anymore. Call and lock up your appointment at our downtown Tom's River office by calling 732 905 8100. That's 732 905 8100. Welcome back to the Financial Physician Podcast. I'm Lou Skatigna. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for sharing the podcast with friends and family. That's the only way the podcast grows, and we're growing each and every week, and uh, I'm thrilled uh, uh, how quick we're growing. And it's all because of you, because you're sharing the link to other people that you think can benefit from the program. Please continue to do that. If you think this show has any value to it, and you obviously do because you invest two hours of your time each week uh, to listen, um, please share it with other people who could benefit by it. I really do appreciate it. You want to get in touch with me, my email is lou at the financial Physician.com. Lou at the financial physician.com. You have a, um, a question that you want me to uh, talk about on the air. Uh, you have a personal finance problem that I could help you with, or you just want to say hello, love comments on the program. Uh, most of them are just lovely, very nice. Thank you so much. I appreciate It, it makes my day to get an email from a listener who really enjoys the program. So thanks so much for joining us, and thanks for sharing it. And I know that the program's long. It's two hours long. Uh, Many of you listen through it in its entirety in one sitting. Other of you listen to it in bits and pieces. Whatever works for you is fine with me, as long as you join me each and every week for the Financial Physician Podcast. Uh, This past week I was a guest on uh, the television show It's Your Money. It's a streaming show on RVN television hosted by uh, my business partner, Martin Salzman. And his co-host, Joanne. Uh, if you want to watch it, uh, just go to com. go to the blog uh, or my Rumble channel, and we have that interview uh, in its entirety. All right, let's talk inheritance, specifically uh, inheritance that is not equal amongst your children. Now, in my practice, which is now 37 years old, um, I do a lot of end-of-life planning, a lot of estate planning, and it's just natural. My clientele has aged uh, over the course of, uh, of my firm's maturity. And, uh, and, uh, we do a lot of the end of life planning at this stage. And one of them is the will, you know, how are we going to disperse our assets when the last of us die? And most of the time in people's wills, they'll say, well, I have three children and they share equally in my residual estate. That's typically what you'd find. But many times, uh, you don't want to leave money equally to your three children. So let's talk a few scenarios where maybe you would give one child more than the other. A caregiver lives with you. Let's say your daughter lives with you, has lived with you for three years, have taken care of you at the end of your life, brings you to doctor's appointments, uh, goes to the the pharmacy for you, cleans the house, feeds you. And meanwhile, your son lives in California. uh, You hardly ever see him. Well, maybe you want to give that caregiver the house or just a bigger percent of the inheritance, whatever it is, to compensate them for being there for you, for taking time out of their life to take care of you. And that's one reason. It's a pretty common reason why a parent would want to give uh, the house or or more of the estate to them. Scenario number two, you have a special needs child uh, with issues that you've taken care of. You've been the primary caregiver for that child. Uh, And when you die and you're gone, you have to make provisions in your estate plan to ensure that the child will be properly taken care of after you go. And one way to do that is a special needs trust. A special needs trust is a trust you establish, you put money in a trust when you die, you name typically a a sibling uh, to be the trustee, and the sibling gives money to the uh, special needs child as needed. And the reason why you do this is because you don't want to put all the money in the child's name because uh, most times the child will lose any state benefits that they're getting or disability or anything like that, Medicaid so, you don't want to have them inherit the money. First of all, they wouldn't know how to manage it in the first place. That's where you need a special needs trust. Very important if you have a, a special needs adult child that has to be taken care of after you're gone. Scenario number three you have a, chi- you have a child that has mental health problems or uh, substance abuse, going through a messy divorce, or has a lot of creditors, uh, is a gambler. Uh, Is estranged from you Uh, Maybe you don't want them to get any money Because you know that it's going to harm them Or it's going to be gone in no time First thing you could do is set up a trust uh, And have one of the siblings be the trustee And you could state on that trust That um, that child only gets $10,000 a year Until they turn 40 Then they get the balance of the trust Uh, There's lots of different ways you could set up trusts Uh, Or maybe you just want to totally disinherit that child uh, you're estranged from them. You don't like the way they're conducting their lives. Uh, you could leave them totally out of the will. People do that all the time. You got to state it in your will. Uh, but many people do have estranged, uh, children and they're not going to leave their money to them and nor should they. Uh, but here's a more common one. Uh. I shouldn't say more common than an estranged child or a near-do-well child, uh, but this is quite common. Uh, One child has more money than the other. So say you have two children. Your son's a lawyer, uh, he's doing very well, has more money than he's going to need, he's fine. Uh, Your daughter is a single mother with three kids, struggling to get by. Well, it would make sense that you'd like to leave uh, the majority of your estate to the child that can most benefit by it and many people do that. Now, one thing that you need to do if you're going to do an unequal inheritance is you have to have a family meeting or talk to your children individually. I like to conduct a family conference uh, when we're getting close to the end of life. Of uh, Usually, it's, it's not usually when husband and wife are still married. It's when there's a widow or widower, when they're the last one. Because if one of them dies, the spouse is going to get everything anyway. So it's really not critical until there's only one left uh, that you do this estate planning correctly. But I like to have a conference. And if not everybody is uh, local, uh, we conference call them in. And we have the whole family either there in, pres- uh, in person or there on the phone. First thing I do is I lay out the financial situation and health situation that we're in right now. We'll typically talk about the needs for, for long-term care. Uh, where that's going to come from, what's it going to cost Then we talk about the estate, the residual estate What's going to be left and who's going to get what Now this can be a very uncomfortable conversation for a mother to have with her children Especially if it's not equal It's real easy to say, my will says all three of you share equally in my estate And you're each going to get, you know, assuming it doesn't get eaten up in health care Right now it looks like you're each going to get $100,000 and it's important to have that discussion, not when you die. People should find out what's going on when you die. It should happen theoretically years before you die because, you know, this is part of their retirement planning. You know, many people, their retirement plan is their inheritance. And many times uh, children don't know how much money mom has. I recently had a, a client, a woman, single woman. She had $2.5 million. Uh, she was a widow. And I said, do your children know how much money you have? Because she didn't look like she was rich. I mean, she looked like every everyday person. She goes, no, I've never really discussed it with my children. I said, why not? She goes, well, you know, I'm kind of private, and I don't think I want them to know my finances. And I said, that's totally wrong. You have two children. Each one of them is going to inherit a million dollars. And they're almost 60 years old, and they don't know about that? Boy, that would change uh, their retirement planning a lot. Maybe they're struggling to get by right now because they're trying to max out their IRA or 401k because they don't have much saved for retirement. And lo and behold, there's a million dollars coming down the pike in a couple of years or sooner. You want to have that discussion. Very important. But when you have unequal inheritances, that's the uncomfortable discussion that you have to have. But the person who's not getting the full share has to know about it while you're alive. You've got to tell them why you're doing it and what they're going to get. Not that I don't love you anymore, but your, your, your sister needs it more. She has three children. She's not married. She's struggling to get by, and you're fine. And we've had that discussion in my conference room. Sometimes it hasn't gone very well, uh, and other times uh, it's totally understood. I'd say more often than not it's, it's understood by the sibling that's not getting a full share. They understand, and they don't need it for the most part. So have those discussions, have that conference. I say in my book, I say the will is a terrible place to keep secrets, and that is not the place. People should not find out things like I'm not getting a full inheritance share uh, when the will is read the day after you were buried. That is not the time. The time to have that discussion is while you're still alive, where you could reason with them, let them know you don't love them any different, but let them know the reason why you're doing it. And I can't stress enough how important it is to have that conversation. Very important for family relations. As I said earlier, I I, I love your emails. Uh, we don't get calls. It's not a radio show anymore. So uh, the only way we talk to each other is through email or phone call. Uh, I received this email from Jeannie from uh, Beachwood, New Jersey, and she writes, Hi, Lou. I look forward to your show every week. Last week, you said you missed the call-ins. Well, I have a topic I think a lot of your followers would like to hear you talk about. If the U.S. dollar fails and digital currency is implemented, how would owning gold or silver be converted to liquid spending power? Where would you take the coins to convert them? What would you get in return if cash is no longer accepted? Would the gold be converted to digital money? How would that work? I think your followers would find this topic interesting. Keep keep up the good work, Lou. You are right so far. (laughs) Appreciate it, Jeannie. Thanks for the email. Good question there. A really good question. I can only speculate on some of these things. The first question is pretty easy. If the U.S. dollar fails and digital currency is implemented, how would owning gold or silver be converted to liquid spending power? Well, it wouldn't. I mean, you'd have to convert the gold or silver into some kind of digital money. I mean, if that's the law of the land and uh, cash is outlawed or uh, it's just not accepted anywhere, uh, you would go to a coin dealer, you would give them the coin, and they would deposit into your digital account, uh, from their digital account, the equivalent amount of U.S. dollars based on the value of an ounce of gold in U.S. digital dollars at that time, all right? Where would you take the coins to convert them? Anywhere you would sell coins now. Uh, A coin dealer um, uh, Either a big internet coin dealer Or a local coin dealer Uh, That's where you bought them That's where you can sell them They're very liquid What would you get in return If cash is no longer accepted I just said digital currency Of some kind Uh, How would that work Uh, It's very simple Again you bring the money To the coin dealer And they'll deposit Digital currency uh, In your account Now A lot of people aren't going to Sell their gold for that reason uh, Unless they really need to uh, because gold isn't going to be alternative money To uh, digital currencies um, We're seeing a lot of pushback now uh, On digital, uh, central bank digital currencies around the world I'm not so sure that this is going to be implemented um, It seems like a lot of things that the globalists are trying to do Are starting to be thwarted I think a lot of people are fed up We saw that at the World Economic Forum a couple of weeks ago People pushing back on globalist policies Uh, We see um, Donald Trump came out uh, a couple of weeks ago. I played it on last week's program where he said that if he's president, there will be no central bank digital currency in the United States. Uh, And that's because his followers don't want it, which is half the country. Um, So are you able to push something on where at least half the country, I'm not saying all the Democrats want digital currency either. We don't want to be spied on. None of us want to be spied on. Nobody wants, you know, you're hearing about the surveillance uh, of our country We'll talk more about that later uh, That people are being surveilled and They don't even know it uh, Warrantless surveillance We're uh, becoming uh, an authoritarian state pretty quick But people are starting to wake up I think there is a turn We're starting to see it in this whole woke thing This DEI thing uh, Get woke, go broke People are boycotting companies They're pushing back And that's a good thing And I think the people are fed up, and they've had it, and they see what's going on. They're finally waking up. That's a good thing. But yeah, you know, look, gold is going to be the alternative money. And silver would be uh, something you'd want to have, too, because, you know, silver is easy to barter with. You know, you don't need digital currency. Here's a one-ounce silver coin. It's worth $50 or $100 or $200, equivalent digital currency. Give me something that's worth that, goods or services. Uh, and we'll be happy, and nobody know we made that transaction. So that's the way that would go. Jeannie, thanks for the email. Appreciate it. Good questions. Michael Schneider, a guy I like a lot, I read a lot, he um, has a website called the Economic Collapse Blog. I highly recommend you, um, you make it a favorite of yours. And he's very good at statistics, and economic statistics especially. And he put out an article this week, and it said um, – The title was, most Americans are literally living on the edge of disaster. And he goes on to say, there's a tremendous disconnect between the economic numbers that the government is giving us and what most Americans are personally experiencing on a daily basis. The government says inflation is low, but the cost of living just continues to spiral out of control. The government says that unemployment is low. But Challenger Gray and Christmas says the number of layoffs in the US was up 98% last year. The government says the eco- economic outlook for 2024 is positive, but companies all over America are acting as if extremely hard times are ahead. So, who are we supposed to believe? I agree with them 100% on that. Personally, I trust uh, the numbers that come from private sources far more than the numbers that come from the government, especially in an election year. I've been telling you this for forever, basically. Don't believe any economic number that comes out of this government during this election year. It's all fudged. It'll all be revised down later on. Uh, it's not true. Uh, and you know that. I mean, the cost of living, people are struggling. And, and here's some uh, you know, startling numbers. I said 67% of people are paycheck to paycheck. Bankrate, just did a survey, and found that 56% of all U.S. adults do not have enough money to handle an unexpected $1,000 expense. They don't have emergency funds. We talked about the uh, the importance of that earlier. So more than half the country is living on the edge of financial disaster. That's crazy. Another survey found that much of the nation barely keeps any money in their bank accounts. Nearly half of Americans have $500 or less in their savings account, an amount that leaves them vulnerable to unexpected expenses, according to Go Banking Rate Survey of 1,063 U.S. adults, conducted in November of 2023. About 29% of respondents have between $501 and $5,000 in their savings accounts while the remaining 21% of Americans have 5000 or more. So only 21% of Americans have $5,000 in savings accounts. Few hold much cash in their checking accounts as well. Of those surveyed, 60% reported having $500 or less in their checking accounts, while only 12% have $2,000 or more. So most Americans uh, would be financially wiped out with just one major accident or emergency in their life, That is incredibly heartbreaking. And so many people are just scraping by month to month, and the rapid rise in the cost of living is making it increasingly difficult. Did you see on the Internet, one woman found a a Taco Bell receipt from 12 years ago, and she found that prices are now approximately three times higher than just 12 years ago. The old, receipt, uh, the old receipt showed that 12 years ago, Americans could buy two of the chain's beefy five-layer burritos for $2.59, including taxes. Today, the same burritos cost $3.69 for just one, and that doesn't include tax. So add that to the price. But, you know, the government comes out and says inflation now, it's low, it's only 3.5%, but we know that's a big fat lie. Uh, How about uh, I just mentioned uh, car insurance Uh, up uh, my partner just said yesterday. He just called me up and said, Lou, I just got just so you know, you may want to talk about this on your show that, you know, my insurance is going up 23 percent. Another uh, guy posted a TikTok video in which he uh, ranted about the rising cost of everything. Four years, four years ago, my rent was 1200 a month at a luxury apartment complex. Now it is now 2100 not even including utilities. Three years ago, my electric bill was averaging $45. Now it's a staggering 125 I went to the grocery store yesterday and got three bags of chips, some ground turkey, and some vegetables, and it was $67. So the U.S. consumer is being squeezed like never before. And debt levels are rising, credit card debt is rising. This is, this is a recipe for disaster. Unpaid residential utility debt in the U.S. rose to a new all-time record of $20.3 billion last year. Um, so don't tell me Biden, Bidenomics, is working for the U.S. Uh, families. It's not. The economy is not in good shape. What do you think you have the Federal Reserve talking about lowering interest rates? They don't do that for nothing. And uh, conditions are going to get worse. If you think crime's bad now, wait, wait till economic conditions really deteriorate. Uh, this week in uh, Washington, D.C., a CVS store permanently shut down because of dozens of teens that would just literally loot the store multiple times per day. Uh, and this is happening across America. I'm not so sure this is happening because of economic conditions or just uh, some other reason. But uh, how bad do you think it's going to be when um, economic conditions really get bad? Another sobering statistics, uh, in 2023, um, Americans got further behind on their credit card bills in 49 out of 50 states. As inflation um, is taking its toll on people, they have to use credit cards to make up the difference. Also, we're seeing millions of Americans become delinquent on their credit card debt. Um, according to this report, uh, wallet hub, the number of borrowers struggling to keep on track of their credit card bills has risen the fastest in Oregon. I don't know why, um, between September, 2022 and September, 2023, delinquencies in the state soared by 51%. And we're seeing delinquency rates on all forms of credit, uh, steadily rising across the country. And I'm going to be watching this trend in 2024. This is a big deal. And we start seeing layoffs uh, every day. We're hearing major corporations with big layoffs. Uh, Macy's just announced that it's laying off 2,350 workers. Uh, eBay's laying off 1,000 people. Wayfair is laying off 1,650 people. And it goes on and on. And that's because demand is drying up. The people don't have the money to spend. Here's a company laying off employees that I really enjoy. I enjoy this news. Uh, The Los Angeles Times uh, laid off uh, a bunch of people, uh, hundreds, uh, as they look like they're going under. Um, And uh, nobody wants to read their paper anymore. Nobody wants to read their lies. And we're seeing it across the mainstream media, uh, whether it's print or whether it's television. People just don't want to watch. Also, how about Sports Illustrated? They, they, they laid off their entire staff uh, because uh, it looks like they're going under unless somebody comes in and buys them. You know, I used to love Sports Illustrated when I was a kid. Uh, it was a truly great magazine. Uh, not anymore, though. Uh, they got woke. Remember they had, you know, everybody looked forward to their swimsuit issue. Now they have plus-size people, plus-size women on their swimsuit issue. Nobody wants to buy a magazine To see overweight women in a bikini. I don't. (laughs) But again, it's the woke thing these days. They just can't help themselves. And uh, go woke, go broke. The country's in uh, far more trouble than people realize. And 2024 is going to be such a hellish, tumultuous year. Uh, And many of the government experts are going to continue to insist that everything's just fine. The Biden armistice is working, and there's two things that uh, really motivate people uh, to vote. And number one always is their pocketbook. How are they doing financially? How is their family doing financially? Well, with the combination of inflation, layoffs, rising credit card debt, all the things we just laid out, uh, the American family is hurting very much, uh, and they're not going to run out. And vote for Joe Biden. So on Friday, in another example of Joe Biden destroying the country from within, Uh, the White House is halting the permitting process for several proposed liquid natural gas export terminal projects over their potential impacts on climate change. An unprecedented move environmentalists have demanded in recent months. And if the environmentalist demands it, the Biden administration delivers it. In a joint announcement Friday morning, the White House and the Department of Energy said the pause would occur while federal officials conduct a rigorous environmental review, assessing the project's carbon emissions, which could take more than a year to complete. Climate activists have loudly taken aim at LNG export projects in recent weeks, arguing they will lead to a large uptick in emissions and worsen global warming. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Joe Biden released the following statement. In every corner of the country and the world, people are suffering the devastating toll of climate change. Historic hurricanes and floods wiping out homes, businesses, and houses of worship. Wildfires destroying whole neighborhoods and forcing families to leave their communities behind. Record temperatures affecting the lives and livelihoods of millions of Americans, especially the most vulnerable From day one, my administration has set the United States on an unprecedented course to tackle the climate crisis at home and abroad, securing the largest climate investment in the history of the world, unlocking clean energy breakthroughs that will power a clean economy and create thousands of jobs, advancing environmental justice for all, and rallying world leaders to transition away from the fossil fuels that jeopardize our planet and our people. But more action is needed. My administration is announcing today a temporary pause on pending decisions of liquid natural gas exports, with the exception of unanticipated and immediate national security emergencies. During this period, we'll take a hard look at the impacts of LNG exports on energy costs, America's energy security, and our environment. This pause on new LNG approvals sees the climate crisis for what it is the existential threat of our time. So that's uh, what the president has to say, just dismantling our ability to be energy independent at a time when, as I said in previous shows, I fear uh, that due to uh, escalating hostilities in the Middle East, that there's a chance that we'll have an OPEC oil embargo on the West. Of course, uh, the Trump campaign... um, came out with a statement regarding this. Uh, Joe Biden has once again caved to the radical demands of the environmental extremists in his administration. This decision to block the approval of new facilities to export American natural gas is one more disastrous, self-inflicted wound that will further undermine America's economic and national security. On day one, President Trump will unleash American energy to lower the cost of living for all Americans, pay down debt, strengthen national security, and establish the United States as the manufacturing superpower of the world. House Speaker Mike Johnson also responded to this outrageous decision. President Biden's decisions to place a pause on pending natural gas export, export terminals is outrageous. By bending the knee to climate activists, the president is empowering Russia, weakening U.S. energy security, forcing Europe's reliance on dirty Russian exports, and abject failure. I tell you, it never ends with this administration. Destroying America from the inside out. This past Tuesday was the New Hampshire primary. And Donald Trump, just like he did in Iowa, had a, a runaway victory. Uh, he had 54% of the vote versus Haley's 43% of the vote. With uh, It's only a two-man race at that point. Uh, so it's another big victory. And it's over. Trump is going to be the nominee if he's still breathing uh, when it comes to Election Day. And there's more and more talk out there, dangerous talk of having to eliminate him. It's just really I, the Democrats have really gone down uh, a very dangerous path here with the, the comments that they've been making. Anyway, he um, he overwhelmingly won. He's going to win again. He's going to win South Carolina big. And meanwhile, Nikki Haley uh, will not get out of the race. And the question is, why? I mean, why is she hanging around? In South Carolina, her own home state, she's going to get trounced by about 30 points, the polls indicate. Both senators uh, are backing Trump. Uh, I, I don't know what, what she's thinking. And now it seems that uh, some large money donors are abandoning her now. And that's how you get out of a race. The money dries up. You, know, you want to keep the race going because all your consultants and campaign managers, they want to continue to get paid. But when donors zip up the pocketbook, uh, that is the, the bell going off that it's time to go out. Now, she was trying to uh, hang in there. Uh, my guess is before South Carolina, she'll probably be out because there's no way she can continue this campaign. She's not going to win. First, you have Nevada. I think it's next week. The caucuses. She's not even in it. It's going to be a clean sweep for Trump. Uh, and then the next week we have South Carolina. And it, 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 she's just going to get embarrassed there. So, you know, she was being financed by a Democratic donor, billionaire from LinkedIn, uh, founder uh, Reed Hoffman. He was uh, backing her. Now, he was going to vote for Biden. and He's just trying to get Trump out. And that's what these Democrats are doing. They're showing up to, uh, to caucuses. They're showing up to primaries that are not party-only primaries like New Hampshire. Democrats can vote in it. Um, but uh, it's not working. I mean, Trump is just trouncing her, so he's going away. He's he says he's not going to throw any good more uh, any more good money at this. Uh, and then you have a GOP donor, um, Andy Sabin. Uh, he's some kind of metal magnate. I never heard his name before, um, and he's contributed over 1.7 million dollars to uh, uh, to her, something like that. Uh, and he was on uh, Fox News or Fox Business, and uh, this is what he had to say of why. Uh, he's not doing this anymore, and that Nikki Haley should get out of the race. Do you know who Kenny Rogers is? Yes, of
2: course. You have to know when to fold him. you got to know when to fold him. you got to know when to walk away. It's time for Nikki Haley to walk away. I will be the first person to write her a check for president in 2028. There's absolutely no upside to her going to South Carolina, and there's a tremendous downside. She's down by 31 points now, and that's the last I heard in South Carolina. She's got two senators and a governor supporting Trump.
0: Now, Neil Cavuto, who was conducting the interview, definitely an anti-Trumper, as most people on Fox are, by the way, uh, besides a few people. Um, He now jumps in and starts to use numbers and statistics and try to say why she shouldn't drop out uh, because he's hoping against hope that somehow she'll Dethrone Trump as the Republican nominee. Not going to happen, but you could tell by the way he talks uh, that he's uh, a never-Trumper. Going
2: so, what, to South South so what, Andy? So what? I mean, you're very good with numbers. Donald Trump has 32 delegates and Nikki Haley has 17. Last time I checked, you need 1,215 to get the nomination. You're quite right. It would look prohibitive for her in South Carolina where she does trail in these polls. But if we're to knock someone out this early in the game because it doesn't look good, Bill Clinton would have never yeah. had a shot. Ronald Reagan would have never had a shot. She never, look, if you can't win your own state, there's no reason to go on. Well, she hasn't if lost it yet. Her. She hasn't lost it yet. You had faith in her going into New Hampshire, and you're quite right, and you're within your right to say now that she's lost it, you, you, you think her odds of winning are next to nil. I get that. But do you think yeah. that that you know there's any value at all to staying in a race— Uh, it, It might be Donald Trump's to lose, but she could give him a run for his money and she could test his mettle and all benefit. Look, Neil, there's no upside. She's surrounded by consultants and staff. They don't want to lose their paychecks. So they tell Nikki Haley what she wants to hear, not what she should hear. And what she should hear, there's no viable path to continue. You can only harm yourself by going to South Carolina and losing by 30 plus points in your home state. It's political suicide.
0: God, I can't stand Neil Cavuto. Anyway, but he's right. I mean, there's no way she's possibly going to win. Uh, it's uh, My guess is by the end of next week, she's out. And we have a one-man race. Uh, it's, it's, well, two-man race, Trump against Biden. But I still, to this moment, do not think Biden is going to be the nominee. Uh, apparently, the Obamas are really kind of pressuring people to get rid of him or pressuring Biden himself. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time before they'll find a reason for him or he'll find a reason or he'll be threatened in some way. And, uh, but see, the thing is, he doesn't know how bad he is. He doesn't know how bad his policies are. He doesn't know how much he is reviled. Uh, by the American people. I don't think they tell him how bad his poll numbers really are, that he's the worst polling president in history. There's no chance for him to win. I mean, they can't cheat enough. Martin Armstrong is a legendary uh, financial and geopolitical analyst, and he has correctly predicted every presidential race since the 1980s. And he has this program called Socrates. It's a computer program that he's developed, and it predicts a lot of things, markets and things like that. It's really uncanny, and it's, it's very, very, very powerful. And this is what he had to say. He was on Greg Hunter's uh, USAWatchdog.com show uh, this week. Uh, very interesting guy to listen to, very smart. And this is what he had to say about the election.
3: Basically about Trump should win. Our computer uh, has actually shocked me. I mean, it's, it's been correct on every election, you know, and even Brexit. But um, this one, it shows uh, two, you know, basically out of six models, it's showing four are basically all for Trump. Uh, but two of them are showing absolute unbelievable landslides. It's showing 61 percent for Trump and 30 some percent for for Biden. Um, I mean, it, it has never come up with that with that, you know, sharp uh complete you know gap i would say uh all the others were were tight um 2020 election it it was i said it's going to be a tight election even 16 it showed that trump should win all right but it would be you know not by overwhelming but this one is is absolutely stunning uh so uh i am very concerned about what this is really showing at this stage in the game
0: so, uh, Martin Armstrong's, uh, Socrates program, uh, very, very reliable program has Trump possibly having a major landslide and the Democrats know it. And, uh, that's why they're going to throw a Hail Mary of some kind, to uh, replace Biden with who Michelle Obama or somebody or, or eliminate Trump. They, they have to do one or the other because, uh, he's, he's going to win. There's no way this country is going to reelect Joe Biden. You have to just as some of the things we talked about earlier in this program, economically and so forth. So they're either going to have to accept the Trump presidency for four more years, and that's all he could do is four more years, uh, or they're going to try to eliminate him. But we're in the middle of a revolution now, a leftist revolution in this country. So they're not going to give up right now. They're going to do whatever it takes, and it'll be interesting to see. You know, Even if we have an election, some are saying that Biden's going to start a – a major war and then uh, suspend elections until the war is over, kind of like what Zelensky did. I mean, but this stuff is crazy stuff. I mean, you have people in the streets if this happens. Now, of course, the people at uh, MSNBC and CNN uh, did not want to air live Trump's uh, victory speech after the New Hampshire primary because they they had to stop it to fact check in. I mean, these people are unbelievable. Did they ever uh, fact-check Biden on all the lies that he ever tells? Did he ever stop in the middle of one of his speeches, especially something that is newsworthy of winning the New Hampshire primary? Uh, These people are just um, the mouthpiece of the Democratic Party and the Biden administration. It's unbelievable what they did. Listen to this. We are going
2: to win this. We have no choice. If we don't win, I think our country is finished. I do. I believe our country is finished. We have an opportunity to do something so amazing.
1: So this is part of the issue here. Uh, so Donald Trump saying that he won New Hampshire um, not only in previous primaries, but that he won New Hampshire in the general election um, is not true. So uh, the former president has opened his remarks tonight once again by proclaiming um, falsehoods. This is what makes it hard to take him uh, his pronouncements live. We'll try again, though.
0: And then we have uh, Jack Tapper over at CNN who uh, stopped the speech and he had a fact check. He had a fact checker on set with him uh, and he goes on to fact check the speech. I mean, this is totally outrageous. I heard at least two or three things uh, that need fact checking. Uh, Daniel Dale. All right, Uh, Daniel Dale, uh, if we'd run the whole speech, maybe you would have had more to do. Oh, maybe if we ran the whole thing, you'd have more work to do because Trump will lie some more. Did Maddow and Tapper fact-check all these lies from Joe Biden over the years?
2: And that's not hyperbole. It's a fact. I had the great honor of being arrested with our U.N. ambassador on the streets of Suedo. Matter of fact, for four years, I was a full professor at the University of Pennsylvania. I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home.
0: Could you imagine if they stopped in the middle of a Biden speech and tried to fact-check him? Well, first of all, you don't know what he's saying, so it's hard to fact-check. Somebody who's talking gibberish to you. Uh, but, of course, they never would do that to Biden. They'll be held to pay from the administration if that was the case. But they just wouldn't do it. I mean, they're pro-Biden. They hate Trump. Uh, and they're not going to stop. They're not going to air the news. Uh, it's totally outrageous. Yeah, People see it for what it is. Anyway, the people who are watching these stations are are who they are anyway. They're all like-minded people, the few of them that watch. Uh, but it's just Calls me to, to, to the arrogance of these people to decide what they believe is news, what they believe is fact, and what isn't. This is Rachel Maddow for every night coming on her show for how many years with the Russian collusion? Everything was a lie every day. They went with it every day. That was fine. But because Trump is out there talking uh, and he brings up past elections that he feels were stolen from him, uh, we have to fact check if that, that's made up. That didn't happen. And uh, were well, they going to continue to do that? They're not going to. How about on a convention when he's nominated? Are they going to show his speech? Or is that not newsworthy for MSNBC viewers or CNN viewers? Um, but they, apparently every uh, primary victory speech, they're going to censor. Uh, and uh, it's, it's outrageous. But anyway, Trump is rolling along, uh, and he is a force to be reckoned with uh, uh, on any free and fair election. Uh, he's going to be a uh, winner by landslide. And uh, it can't happen soon enough. And uh, it better happen soon because uh, the country's going down the tubes. And we're going to illustrate more of that as the pro- show progresses here. It's just on every aspect. Well, I mentioned before, they're shutting down the energy, uh, now liquid natural gas. Uh, it's just one thing after the other. But I tell you, if uh, when Trump wins in November, he's going to owe Joe Biden a big fat thank you gift of some kind for turning America into a shithole in a transgender nightmare and uh a terrorist haven uh it, it's uh yeah he's going to have to send him a nice thank you gift Kamala Harris is out there uh talking to voters about how Trump check this I mean this is where uh you can't make this stuff up category if <laughs> uh, talk about hypocrisy uh talk about the pot calling the kettle black. She says that if Donald Trump is elected, that he's going to weaponize the DOJ. Could you imagine that? You've got someone who has said that if he were back in
1: office, he would weaponize the Department of Justice. Someone who has openly applauded insurrectionists as patriots. Someone who has said that they will go after their political enemies and and applauds dictators, indicating that he would be one. So let's be really clear about what's at stake. And then yes, of course, there is then a desire that let's get out there because we can't lose this democracy. We
0: can't. Yeah, we're going to lose our democracy if the citizens of the country elect their president. I mean, everything's word salad when she's speaking. You need a bottle of ranch dressing whenever you hear her talk. I mean, really. Uh, but it isn't talk about hypocrisy, right? They've recognized the DOJ. He's got 91 indictments from this DOJ that he's fighting. Uh and, uh, and he's going to weaponize the G- DOJ. It's just, th- these people will lie right to your face when they know that it's ridiculous. Is she delusional when she says that? She has to be. She really has to be. Joe Biden was in uh, Virginia this week, giving a political speech, if you want to call it that. And he went on to say that Terry McAuliffe is the governor of Virginia. Doing a little election denying there, Joe. Isn't that a bad thing for people to do?
2: Hello, Virginia, and the real governor, Terry McAuliffe.
0: Now the White House came out, and you know the internet was a buzz about this, uh, calling Trump a denier of elections and whatnot. Uh, and uh, the White House put out a statement or something saying it was it was just a joke. All right. Now, Peter is the only one who asked tough questions in the White House briefing room, uh, asked uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre about this. Is election denying a joke now?
1: What do you mean you have to say more than just make a random statement?
4: Hey. Why did the president say hello, Virginia, and the real governor, Terry
3: McCauley? <clears throat> he
1: was making a joke about Terry. He was making a joke. joke? He was, I mean, if you play it back, it's clearly that the president was making a joke. What's the joke? He was making a joke about McCullough's
5: previous term as governor.
4: How are you guys going to convince people, though, uh, that this idea of denying election results is very bad if President Biden is going How out is and making
1: jokes like okay. this? He did not deny. He did not deny it. He congratulated Governor Yunkin. Matter of fact, uh, when he won his election, he did it out of the gate. Out of the gate. Really. Truly. He uh, he congratulated the governor. And not only that, we've had opportunities to work closely with the governor and over the past couple of years. And, uh, you know, this is a president that works across the aisle. We've seen that uh, many times. And he was making a joke.
0: Do you remember when uh, Trump was on Hannity and he said that he asked him about being a dictator? The left is saying you're going to be a dictator and Trump said, "I'll be a dictator in day one. I'll shut the border and turn our energy on." And then how everybody ran with the fact that oh, Trump is going to be a dictator. He said he's going to be a dictator when it was wasn't a joke, but it was just saying, "Look, uh, I'm adamant about fixing this, and day one I'm going to do this." But oh, that's you know that was that was that was a bad thing. Uh, but Biden can make jokes about election denial now i wouldn't make a big deal out of this usually but it's hypocritical that if they're going to do that blame everybody who questions an election on the republican side well and then if they do it well they can't get away with it now uh dean phillips he's running against uh joe biden uh they're not even giving him fair primaries they're not even uh they won't even put him on TV, Fox does, uh, but they won't really put him on TV or anything. They, you know, it, It's Biden's, it's the DNC decides who's going to be the candidate. It's that simple. But you know, he's a, he's a, he's a good guy. I mean, he, he talks straight and this week he was in New, New Hampshire um, and he got 20% of the vote, by the way, and Biden got 80%, 67,000 write-ins. Yeah, I, 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 tr- I trust that. Um, but anyway, uh, and he was at an event and he saw across the street. The huge line to go into Trump's event the day before the New Hampshire primary freezing cold snowing, people are out there for hours. And, you know, he was intrigued by it. So he walked over there and started talking to him. And this is what he came away with.
4: We have a crisis of participation. And I got to tell you guys, I went to a Donald Trump rally a couple nights ago, never been to one. Uh, I had an event across the street. I saw the line of people waiting in the cold for hours. And I thought, what the heck? You know, I'm going to be a leader who actually invites people, doesn't condemn them. Met probably 50 Trump people waiting in line, every single one of them, thoughtful, hospitable,
0: friendly. All of them so frustrated that they feel nobody's listening to them but Donald Trump. A diverse crowd, people who had never been to a Trump event before. My party is completely delusional right now. Now, there's a Democrat that gets it. I mean, he really gets it. His party is delusional. Boy, this guy would make a great candidate. I mean, he is a candidate, but he would make a great nominee for the Democrats, a guy who could speak clearly, could find his way off a stage, uh, You know, just doesn't demonize the other side. Um, I think he has a good political future. Um, we'll see. But I tell you, this election can't be over long enough. Uh, the damage is already done as far as immigration goes. We got 8 or 10 million people in here. Uh, and now you have a dispute between the federal government and the states namely Texas uh, on immigration and I don't think in my life I could recall a battle between the federal government and the states and this looks this looks like it's getting really serious now Texas you know uh, they're a border state obviously uh, governor Abbott uh, and the legislature there uh passed a law that they can arrest anybody they 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 invoked what's called an invasion clause. And they could arrest anybody that comes across and deport them. They could put up razor wire and and everything else. Now the federal government challenged it. Like, why would you challenge that? They want them to take down the razor wire that's preventing these illegal people from infiltrating our country. With fentanyl, with trafficking children, terrorists. Did you see the Arab guy that came in there and says, you don't know who I am? He goes, but you will soon enough. Something to that effect. Basically threatening terrorism on our soil. And why wouldn't it happen with all these? How many terrorists have come across? We don't know. There's more scrutiny on you when you get on an airplane than these people coming in. It's totally outrageous. It's treasonous. It's destroying our national security. And now you got Democrats. So, so uh, uh, Governor Abbott has the National Guard on the border and they're starting to arrest people. They're putting up more razor wire. And then this went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court overturned an appellate court that said Texas has a right to do this and basically says the federal government has the right to go in there and take down the razor wire. But Texas is not allowing it. They're saying F you to the Supreme Court and to the federal government. They say this is our state. We have a right to protect it. And if you're not going to do your job, we have a right to do ours. Now, 25 governors of other states have now backed texas in this and uh of course you know what states there are they're not they're red states they're not blue states now why one blue state wouldn't back texas in this you know why uh but it's outrageous that they won't and uh it's hurting all of us not just republicans So you have uh, 25 states uh, on Friday, it went up to 25, it was 15. Uh, The states are Wyoming, Iowa, Arkansas, Montana, Florida, Idaho, North Dakota, Nebraska, West Virginia, Alabama, Tennessee, Louisiana, Georgia, Utah, Virginia, South Dakota, Oklahoma, Alaska, Indiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Nevada, New Hampshire, Ohio, and South Carolina. So these governors put out a joint statement saying President Biden and his administration have left Americans in our country completely vulnerable to unprecedented illegal immigration pouring across our southern border. Instead of upholding the rule of law and securing our border, the Biden administration has attacked and sued Texas for stepping up to protect American citizens from historic levels of illegal immigrants, deadly drugs like fentanyl, and terrorists entering our country. We stand in solidarity with our fellow governor, Greg Abbott, and the state of Texas in utilizing every tool and strategy, including razor wire fences, to secure the border. We do it in part because Biden administration is refusing to enforce immigration laws already on the books and is illegally allowing mass parole across America of migrants who entered the country illegally. The authors of the U.S. Constitution make clear that in times like this, states have a right of self-defense under Article 4, Section 4 and Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 of the U.S. Constitution. Because the Biden administration has abdicated its constitutional compact duties to the states, Texas has every legal justification to protect the sovereignty of our states and our nation. Bravo. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Trump says the first thing he's going to do is secure the border. First thing he's going to do. Day one. When he's inaugurated but then it may be, it, By then it is too late We've got another year of this uh, of, the, of these open borders Now um, Christy Nome, who is uh, An up and coming Republican star I think uh, Governor of North Dakota uh, Came out and said she, was, she would help Texas in their fight Now she's on the northern border uh, It has nothing to do with the southern border But this is what she said
1: Governor Abbott has done the exact right thing and I'll drive him more razor wire from South Dakota if I have to, for him to do his job.
0: She she said she'd pack her pickup truck herself. Got a, like a what a good looking woman she is too. I think she has a really good future in the Republican Party. Uh, I think you'll see her running for president in the future. Um, but she she backs Governor Abbott as should every state in this country. When it comes to, you know, fentanyl is in every state. It's killing children of Democrats, Republicans. Uh, If there's terrorist activity in this country, I shouldn't say if, when, because they poured across the border. It's going to affect all of us. But still, Democratic politicians, they stick together and they back their party. They back their president no matter what the subject is. And that's that's really um, depressing. That we can't come together over something like that. I mean, that, that's really depressing. And, and, and obviously there's an agenda here. I guess they think uh, bringing in these millions of people, they're going to register them to vote, and they're all going to become Democrats. Uh, and there'll be Democrats in power forever. That's the only reason that anybody would want this to happen to our country. It's the only reason. If somebody thinks of another reason, email it to me. I'd like to know. Now, you know, of course, Trump come out and, you know, he's back in, he's back in, uh, Texas. But, um, but, uh, he came out on Friday and he said that other states should send their national guard to help Texas. Any willing state should send their national guard troops there to help Texas. We incur- this is his statement. He put it on, I think it was a truth, uh, thing, uh, We encourage all willing states to deploy their guards to Texas to prevent the entry of illegals and remove them back across the border. All Americans should support the common sense measures by Texas authorities to protect the safety, security, and sovereignty of Texas and the American people. When I am president on day one, instead of fighting Texas... I will work hand-in-hand with Governor Abbott and other border states to stop the invasion, seal the border, and rapidly begin the largest domestic deportation uh, deportation operation in history. Can't happen soon enough. Can't happen soon enough. All right, let's take a short break. On the other side of the break, we'll wrap up today's edition of the Financial Physician Podcast. My name is Lou Katigna. Don't go anywhere.
4: AFM Investments' Luz Katigna has been serving Ocean County for over 35 years. AFM Investments brings a level of expertise, knowledge, and experience to the Jersey Shore that you would typically have to pursue with a premier investment firm on Wall Street. Whether you need income tax preparation or financial planning, he has the experience to help you with whatever your needs are. For more information, log on to afminvestments.net.
0: Registered investment advisory services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job. And are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, market. Train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna a Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732 657 6200. That's 732 657 6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call, you'll be happy you did. Hey, it's that time again. Income tax season. There has been many changes to tax rules the last few years. Some deductions have been eliminated and some have been expanded. Avoid IRS headaches by putting my 35 years tax preparation experience to work for you. I guarantee that your return will be accurate and in most cases will be prepared and ready for you in less than three business days. This season, I'm taking on a limited number of new tax clients. Call for an appointment today and receive a $100 discount off of our already reasonable fee. Tax season does not have to be stressful anymore. Call and lock up your appointment at our downtown Tom's River office by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join me for our roughly two-hour program, the Financial Physician Podcast. Thanks so much for sharing it with friends and family, and that's the one favor I ask from you. Uh, We only grow through uh, people telling other people about the show. Put it on your social media, email it to friends and family, and uh, share the program. Uh, If you find it has any value to you, it has value to other people as well, and uh, I know many of you are doing it. I thank you. I love you all. You're so great. Uh, I do appreciate it. As always, my email address is lou at the com. You got a personal finance question, something I could help you with, a question you want me to address on the show, a topic, uh, anything that I could help you with, uh, feel free to email me at lou at the financial physician, uh, dot com. Now, we know that one of the lawsuits going on um, around the country against Trump is in Georgia. And this is getting weirder by the day. Uh, apparently, the, the DA and the the Prosecutor or lovers, and uh, she hired him and paid him more money than he's supposed to get paid, and then he used that money to take them on cruises and spend it. Uh, this is really starting to get pretty damn dirty uh, the whole the whole lawsuit is a joke anyway, racketeering that's the lawsuit. again, just another uh, opportunity or another attempt uh, to try to get Trump off the ballot or out of the election. Um, and apparently now that they've been communicating with the White House on strategy, which would make it even 10 times worse, uh, we got a corrupt government. We got a corrupt federal government. We got corrupt state and city governments. Everything's corrupt in the United States right now. The media, education system, universities, sports, uh, it just doesn't end. Uh, every institution is corrupt. Uh, and that's why people have lost faith in government. I think a recent survey said not even 30% of Americans have trust in their government. That's a pretty sad state of affairs uh, when 30% of people trust their own government, to be honest with them. It's just – it's a sad state of affairs. Now, in um, Georgia, there was um, – I guess it was a, a council meeting or something in the city of Fulton County or whatever where they're holding this trial against Trump. And uh, a citizen, an everyday citizen during public comment, came to the mic, and I thought he was extremely eloquent, eloquent in, in laying out uh, what's going on here.
4: Good morning, Commissioners. Derek Blassingame. It is a, ple- a, it is a pleasure and an honor to, to address you all today. Some of you all have made the comment this morning on my way here that he's done, he's through, it's over. Well, I want to let you know that Derek Blassingame, I'm done with Fulton County fumbling our elections. I'm done with the gross mismanagement of our taxpayer dollars by the Fulton County Democrats on this body. I'm disgusted at the information that is coming out of the district attorney's office as a taxpayer. I am done with most of your silence at the DA's apparent love affair with the special prosecutor and gross mismanagement of taxpayers' dollars to pursue what appears to be a frivolous lawsuit based off of partisan politics. Apparently, guys like me need to court Fulton County female executives if we want a free ride at all-paid expense. Apparently, we need to pursue Natalie Hall and Fonnie Willis, or maybe the executives in other departments, if we want a full ride and full pay. The DA appears to be trying to protect past elections, but upon information and belief, she's trying to interfere with future elections by trying to convict a candidate before the general election. I'm requesting a financial audit to be done by the county auditor of the district attorney's office immediately. There is no way that you get more money when you're spending money, allegedly, for unnecessary and frivolous purposes.
0: And I think he's speaking for a lot of people in Georgia. Uh, You know, he's a young African-American male, uh, one you don't think would be a big Trump supporter. Uh, And I don't know if he is or not, Uh, but he understands fairness. He understands corruption. And I thought he spoke uh, very eloquently about the situation. Now, it's not all of Georgia. It's Fulton County. Fulton County, it's always one county in these states where the trouble is. It's always one. Uh, in um, in uh, Pennsylvania, it's Philadelphia County. In um, Michigan, it's Detroit. In uh, Wisconsin, it's uh, Green Bay. Uh, it's all these left-wing, Democrat-run cities where the shenanigans take place. In Arizona, it's um, uh, Phoenix. So it's always these one cities, these one counties in these blue states uh, uh, that turn elections. And that's where the fraud takes place. And now they're using Fulton County uh, uh, to go after Trump and to meddle in the election. Did you see this story this week, um, a leaked audio recording uh, of, uh, I guess this is a Rhino, Arizona, uh, Republican chairman, Jeff DeWitt. Now, he's an agent of the uni uni party. He's part of the deep state. And he called Carrie Lake in the beginning of last year when she was considering running for Senate after they stole the governorship away from her uh, in the 2020 election. And he calls her up and he basically is offering her a bribe not to run. And this comes from the East Coast, meaning Washington, that they're willing to pay her a lot of money just to go away and not run for the Senate, thinking, I guess, that the Democrat would win and they're trying to keep the Senate. So they're trying to, through corruption, through bribery, to find a number from her that would make her go away. Now, to her credit, and I like Carrie Lake a lot, I really do. I would like to see Trump pick her as a running mate. I think she'd be spectacular. Uh, she uh, wouldn't take debate, And she recorded the call. Now, Chairman DeWitt had to resign after this because she says she has even more damning tapes than this one, which I hope we get to hear. I hope it doesn't get buried because this guy resigned. But he resigned. And listen to this. It's, it's truly uh, remarkable. It goes on for some time. I'm not going to play the whole thing. Uh, but it, it, it is corruption at the highest levels. And this is how our government works. This is how the deep state works.
1: So what's going on? What is, uh, I'm assuming this is our friend.
5: Oh, this is, this is, this back east. They, there are very powerful people who want to keep you out. The I know they do. But they're willing to put their money where their mouth is in a big way. So this conversation never
1: happened. Th- this is crazy though. They should want me. I'm a great candidate. People love me. These people are corrupt.
5: Well, maybe right.
1: they're right. They are corrupt.
5: Maybe they are. Right. This is a right. right. don't, don't go. Did you ever know? I don't get myself in trouble. This, if you, if, you, if you say no, which is fine, it's your choice. Don't tell people.
1: They're no. gonna have, try to have me murdered.
5: <laughs> <laughs> He's world man. If that stuff that came out last week is right about the cartel stuff, I man. I the car, they say the cartel's operating in 50 states right now. Like all 50. You know? mm-hmm. So So
1: what what what's going on? Who is it? What
5: forget the who. Let me just tell you the what. Let's just say there are people calling around saying, gosh, no, they can't repeat this. They never repeat this. If you say no, don't because they, I got offered to buy out. do Because then we lose our ability to get things done other in the future.
1: Here's this my problem. Rather than just say, let's work with her, she's a great candidate. Because they don't own me. And it pisses me off.
5: Yeah, I if it's about ownership. It's about control. I don't know if it's about control. It's about being on the team. Like I guess that's you know what I mean? They
1: want to be on the team.
5: They want you to be on their team. But
1: just you know but if they're pushing a globalist agenda, I can't do that. So what do they want? What do they want me to
5: do? You want you to stay opportunists. <laughs> what? Well, I'll tell you what I can offer you.
0: So it may be a little bit hard to hear, but he's saying that these big people in the East he doesn't say who they are at all, uh, want her out for at least two years. They want her to pause and get out of the way. Because she's she's leading to win the Senate seat in Arizona, uh, and right now that's held by uh, a Democrat, uh, so that could turn the Senate. Uh, and I don't know if it's Democratic money or where the money's coming from that, that they're willing to pay her, uh, but it's quite a bit, uh, a number is never mentioned, but she's not, she's not going to take it. This is, it from us.
5: is there any companies out there or something that could just put her on the payroll and give her to keep her out? I said, well, what do you want to do? Like, whatever we need to
1: do. This is about defeating Trump. And I think that's a bad, bad thing for our country. DeSantis is not America first. This is about the final death blow to Trump. And I don't think that's good for our country. I, mean, you
5: know, I love Trump. I mean, I love Trump.
1: It's not good for our country, Jeff.
5: It's not. But at the same time, hey, Dave.
1: And I don't want to make a deal with these kind of people. This is a hill worth dying on. I am not, if they're going to steal the election to make me and our, our movement go away, I'm not letting them do that. I owe it to the people of Arizona. Or. To carry their torch and their voice.
5: Or. You don't go away. But you pause.
1: This is the battle right now, Jeff.
5: You pause. And you your coffers.
1: No, the battle is right now. The battle is right now, and um, we don't have time to, to pause on this battlefield.
5: You're not. You, what you can't scratch this back. It's not afraid of you.
1: Yeah.
5: You don't have anything to offer them, and they're sitting around people that have something to offer them. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's a it's a back club. That's all DC is. It's a big mm-hmm. scratching club. You're in no you're in no position to scratch anybody's back, and you've already made it known that if you get there, you're not going to scratch anybody's back. I don't scratch people's back. You know, I was I've been on the outs for a lot of people for a long time. I don't scratch backs. Mm-hmm. You know, where are we in two years if they steal the election again?
1: Listen to what you're saying. Why don't we do something about it? What so you? that we the people can pick our what can we do? I'm not willing to accept that, and I'm going to be the biggest <laughs> pain in these people's <laughs> go back and tell them that mm-hmm. I'm running. And I'm gonna be the biggest pain in their. I and
5: mean, I'm willing to tell them that.
1: And they're gonna to have to f- kill me to stop me. No, I know, I know. Look, and, and you don't have to tell them that, but I don't, I don't think they will, but.
5: Nah, no, I don't think that's the way they are.
1: Um, Either they come around and try to work with me, or I'm what just. gonna that going entail? That would entail not telling. Layman's t- telling me, you gotta distance yourself from Trump. No, you distance yourself oh, from DeSantis. He's, he's, he's all bothered about this. But what I'm saying is, don't tell people that. I'm with Trump, okay? I want to work for I the betterment him. of Arizona. I'm, I'm not going to let these people back in D.C. tell me not to run. I'm not going to pause for two years. The battle is now. But I'm offended by whoever these people are that they're trying to why? buy me out be, of.
5: Well, you should be honored.
1: They're, I'm offended that there's people back there they who just don't get a about our country.
5: Do you understand though? You should be honored. That that means they know how powerful you are.
1: Well, I can tell them if that if you weren't
5: powerful, they wouldn't they wouldn't want to have this conversation. Yeah. Right? You should be very few people get this. I
1: know. I'm just Trump. I'm pissed that they don't care more about our country. It's all about the mighty dollar to them. And that's offensive. I don't know. I honestly don't know. They wanna get Trump so bad, they want him out that's so not bad. About Trump. Trump.
5: This isn't about Trump, it's about you. It's not about Trump. You're really- some people
1: are
0: in on this I don't know.
1: Listen, I can win Why don't you go back and tell them that I can win And why don't they get behind me
0: So he keeps persisting Now, realize this is the head of the Republican Party in Arizona And he's taking orders from someone in Washington Is it a Democrat? Is it a Republican? Who is it? We never find out i love to know who this is But he keeps persisting And it seems that Carrie Lake has some uh, principles and values that she's not willing to compromise. And it's about country, and it's about you know the election and everything else. Uh, But now he persists a little bit, and now he starts pushing: "Is there a number? Everybody has their price. Is there a
5: number at which I can be bought? bought. (laughs) That's what it's about. You can take a pause for a couple years. No, and then go right back to what you're
1: Mm doing." No. 10 million, 20 million, 30, no, no, no. A billion, no. This is not about money. This is about our country. I think it's disturbing that they would even.
5: Okay. can't think of it. If you can think of it, let me
1: know. I am not going to let these people who hate our country tell me not to run. You should call them and tell them to get behind me. Okay, well, did you think you would come in here and that I would be bought? It's <laughs> not being bought. Yes, it is. It's I think. What it I is think. being bought. They, they are trying to buy me out of running. What and I it's, it's actually, I mean, all right, I'm flattered. It's I'm offended. I'm offended I, for our country. We I have people this? like this who live here. What I think is this?
0: I know I went a little long on that, and uh, it's a little garbled here or there. I think she's eating a bag of potato chips or something during it. Uh, but pretty bombshell stuff. Pretty corrupt stuff Uh, for the head of the Republican Party in Arizona uh, trying to buy off and bribe her to to not run for the Senate. Uh, How many people take the money? That's the thing. So everybody's bought and paid for. I love her even more. I've always loved her. Uh, And now I love her even more. A person with integrity can't 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 vote for somebody like that. Can't have somebody like that in Washington. It's just um, unreal. And uh, this guy's done. Uh, uh, now maybe uh, somebody will have him name who made the phone call to him. I want to see an investigation on this. I mean, do you need more evidence of corruption than this phone call? No. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. How about the outrage of the week? Uh it's very hard to pick one uh because there is so many. Uh the Seattle, the city of Seattle, is gonna pay Black Lives Matter rioters ten million dollars in a settlement stemming from a lawsuit regarding the George Floyd riots in 2020. Now you remember they were burning down the city, they burned down a police station, people in it. You remember, remember that? Uh 50 people are sharing $10 million. People who are rioting saying that the police hurt them, breaking up the riot. And, and, and the city of Seattle settled with them, didn't even go to court. So the city of Seattle has agreed to pay $10 million to 50 Black Lives Matter protesters who sued the police department for claiming they used excessive force during the riots in 2020. According to the city, the complaint involved hundreds of interactions between the protesters and local law enforcement officials. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's kind of like everything's backwards. Everything's backwards in this country. Remember a few weeks ago, well, about a month or two ago, these, these, these two women, mother and daughter, who committed voter fraud in Atlanta, allegedly, on videotape, they shoo out the Republicans, saying there's a water leak. They pull out these boxes of ballots from under a, a, a table with a tablecloth on it. And they start running them repeatedly through the tabulation machines. On video. Do they go to jail? No, they got a $150 million settlement, uh, not a settlement, an award. And now here you got rioters burning down the city. And they're getting $10 million for doing so. How is this any deterrent? How is it? For anybody, that's 200,000 each for burning down the city, attacking cops. We truly live in an upside down world right now. And you, if you're left wing in this country, you get away with murder. Yeah. It's a totally different set of rules for you. Right wing protest is violence, but left wing violence is protest. Right-wing speeches, hate speech, but left-wing hate is speech. You see how this goes? Right-wing patriots are terrorists, and left-wing terrorists are patriots. It's totally backwards. Everything is backwards as it should be. I came across this tweet um, back in December. I've had it in the pile here. I haven't gotten to it. This is from Illuminatibot, and he, he posted this. We now live in a nation where doctors destroy health, lawyers destroy justice, universities destroy knowledge, governments destroy freedom, the press destroys information, religion destroys morals, and our banks destroy the economy. How about that? That's exactly the world that we're living in right now. And the world is going crazy. The world's gone mad. (laughs) All right. I think that's enough for today's podcast. (laughs) We've been up and down on so many different things we've been talking about today. Thanks so much for joining us. And always, you know, thanks so much for sharing the the podcast with friends and family and social media. And that's how we grow. Thank you so much. Uh, remember the website, the financial com where we have the links to, um, uh, all these podcasts. We have uh, videos there as well, uh, including my appearance on um, the Itch Your Money um, streaming television show last week. The videos there at the on the blog. Uh, my email address is lou at the dot Lou at the financial You want to set up an appointment for either a, a no obligation financial review or uh, an income tax appointment? Call my office at seven three two. 905-8100-732-905-8100. If you're not local and you want to do either a Zoom meeting or a telephone meeting, or even if you want me to do your taxes, you could just overnight or scan your documents to me and we could take care of it that way. Thanks so much for joining us and never forget, I'm not far right. I'm just right so far. Have a good